0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, if we went around and asked you today, what is the one most important thing that a Christian needs to remember and have going on in their lives? We'd probably come up with a lot of different answers, a lot of good answers. Uh, you know, some of you might say, well, you know, the most important thing we've got to remember about God is He is holy God. He is a holy God. And, and First Peter, we looked at that already. He says, We we're supposed to be holy because He is holy. And then uh, we might say, well, and this, the God is sovereign. God is ruling over all, right? And ultimately, his will will be accomplished. And so what we need to do is be thinking, how do I surrender to that? I need to be surrender to the Lord. The very first thing on our list of things about the Christian life, we surrender to the Lord. And if you don't surrender to the Lord, I guess nothing else really happens the way it's supposed to. So we could make that argument. And I think that's, a, that's really very important. We could think, well, it's really about remembering that God is all powerful. He can do whatever needs to be done. He's all knowing. He knows what it is that needs to be done and how it needs to happen. He's all present, so he's always with us. Boy, that's a good one to remember, isn't it? He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always present in our lives. So many things we could go through, but I think today in the passage of Scripture we're going to look at is that Peter really brings us to a point, and he doesn't say this is the most important thing, but he leads us to a place Where he talks about something that I think for us as Christians is probably the most important thing we need to understand, surrender to, focus on, and live by. And when we get this right, a lot of other things will fall into place, into their proper place. So let's go to Peter's first letter. Remember he wrote this letter to people in uh, what we might call Asia Minor, the area of Turkey, uh, to both Jewish, Jewish Christians, Jews who had come to believe in Jesus, and Gentile believers. Um, and really, they, they were suffering persecution, and they were suffering for the Lord, and so this, this whole book, he, he keeps revisiting that idea. But along the way, he talks about things about the Christian life. So let's go to verse 22. Verse 22 of chapter one. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to pick up one under the, there should be one in the chairs there in front of you underneath it and, and follow along. It'll really help you out. We're on page 1391 in that Bible. So verse 22, he says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because, and then he, then he quotes a passage from the book of Isaiah. He says, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower fails away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord being the words which he spoke to people, the the gospel message, uh, all the things he said. But then also, I think by extension, we could include this whole book. Okay, Jesus talked about that. The word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So if we go back up to verse 22, he he gives us one command in this passage. Let's read verse 22 again. He says, since you have purified your souls and obeyed the truth of the spirit and sincere love of the brethren. And here is the command. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Loving each other. Say up front, that's not something we can do on our own. To love the way that God wants us to love requires us to be surrendered to him, to be growing in our understanding of him and will certainly lead to us then having something to say to other people because we love the way that we are supposed to. But this idea of loving one another, and what I want you to see today as I thought about this and think, God, what do you want us to get from this? And, and man, you can write whole books on what he wants us to get from this idea of loving one another. But it just... I don't often talk to you about you know, how I prepare my sermons. I don't usually like to talk about my sermon while I'm preaching. I just want to preach what God says. But I want to say to you that you know, I wrestle and wrestle and wrestle with this. We try to think, how do I you know, say it? love each other? Okay, that's what it says love each other, right? But then it just all of a sudden, I'm asking God, and I'm not, this is not a revelation, this is not inspired, like, but all of a sudden, what came to me, came clear to me, was this statement own the responsibility and embrace the privilege of loving others on God's behalf. That we have a responsibility and it's a privilege to be able to love. And it's not just me loving, but when I love as a Christian, I'm loving on God's behalf. And we'll talk about that a little more as we go. So let's let's work our way through the ideas here. So own the responsibility and embrace the privilege of loving others on God's behalf. Let's go back to the passage and look at this. He said, the first thing you wanna see is that, that we are commanded to love others on God's behalf. I mean, can you see that there? He says, hey, you know, you, you, you've, you've, he's really talking about uh, accepted the Lord and then he goes on and talks about what we have as resources. But right at the end of verse 22, he says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. That is a command. It's in the imperative mood. He's saying, you are to do this. I am to do this. We are to do this because we are Christians. Love each other. So you are commanded to love others on God's behalf. So, so let's, let's look at this and talk about it. What, what do we mean by, by love? What kind of love are we talking about? Well, in the Greek language, which is what, you know, we, we talk about the Greek language because that's the language that, when the Lord inspired the writing of the New Testament, that was the language they were writing in. And so we talk about the, those words that are behind these words. And in verse 22, well, let me for say that, there are three really key words that were used to, to translate this idea of love. And there are actually a couple more that are related, but three major ones. And one of those is eros, uh, from which we would get the word erotic. And so there's that kind of a love. And then there's a love of a brotherly love, a brotherly affection, brothers, sisters. We are what? Brothers and sisters. A brotherly affection. Uh, That Greek word is philos. And, you know, we Philadelphia, right? City of brotherly love. That's that, philos. And then there's the word agape. And the word agape uh, has to do with the kind of love that God has for us. It's a love that is much more than just an affection. You can have very strong affection with someone and that's love, that's love. But the kind of love we're talking about is bigger. It's the kind of love that God has for us. And it's an active word. It's a doing something and um, so when we go to define love I'm just going to talk to you about it like this what it means is acting in the best interest of the person loved even if it's personally costly See, that's how the Lord loved us wasn't it it cost him himself it cost him his son All right. so he loved us in that way and that's what's in our best interest and so when we, when we love our children this way sometimes we tell them no don't we Sometimes we we require things that they don't like. Why are we doing it? Because we're just those nasty, rotten parents, right? No, it's because we what? We love our kids. And so we, we say, this is what's in your best interest. So we love, and God loves us that way too. Okay, he works in our lives, and not always in ways that we would choose, but he has our best interests always in mind. Well, that is the kind of love that God is telling us to have here. In fact, up in the beginning of the verse, the first half, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren. So we got saved. The spirit of God moved in. And then we have a love for each other. Well, the word that's translated love there is the philos. It's the brotherly love. It's the affectionate love. And so when you become a believer in Christ, we're going to see in a little bit. But God puts his love for other Christians in you. And this is a very natural level that we start with. This brotherly love. But Paul says, Paul here, Peter then says, now you need to do something more. And he uses in that second one, when he says, love one another fervently, he's using that word agape. In other words, we need to be loving each other that way, so that we are acting in each other's best interests, even when it's personally costly, even when it's inconvenient. Even when it's hard. Even if I I don't like you very much. Or you don't like me very much. Because sometimes it's personalities, right? Sometimes we have personality things that make it hard. But we're to love. I should still be acting in your best interests. And that's whether I'm present or whether I'm not present. Acting in your best interests. So let's... Let's look at this. Let's dig into this just a little bit more. This idea of love one another fervently with a pure heart. This word fervently, it's interesting. If you um, have heard from uh, the, the book of James teaching or maybe read something about it and it says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Have you heard that verse? Okay. Some of you have some here, but fervent prayer. The word that's translated there means hot or like boiling. You know, when water boils, it's what It's coming up, it's active, and it's doing something. Well, that's what it says, fervent prayer. When it's translated, this word translated fervently here, different word. Doesn't mean that. Although you could probably say it would be a good thing, but it isn't what the word means. What this word means, as you trace it, it comes from a root word, which means this. It means to stretch out to the fullest extent. Okay? So I, you know, I have this rope here. And, and, and so this could be the idea of the love of God. And I have the love of God in me. In you. And so maybe I love you and you love me. And we, we do some of that stuff. But God says, no, no, we need to do what? Love to the fullest extent. Because it's easy to love when it's convenient, isn't it? you agree, right? When it's convenient, it's easy to love. When it's somebody or something you just really like, it's easy to love. Um, but Peter here, the Holy Spirit through Peter, is telling us that we got to love beyond that. we got to love to the fullest extent. And again, that's that idea that I love you when it's hard. I act in your best interest when it's hard for me. I act in your best interest when it's inconvenient for me. And this doesn't mean we never say no. We can say no. It might be the loving thing to do to say no, right? But the idea we do it to the fullest extent. We don't just hold back. That's not the kind of love that God has in mind for us. Now, so we're commanded to do this. He says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. With a pure heart. This is about your motives, isn't it? It's your motives. Have you ever felt like somebody was helping you and you were acting like they really cared about you, but you just had a sense they had other motives? Anybody besides me, Right. God tells us, don't you do that. Don't do that. You need to love to the fullest extent with a pure heart, with the right motives. By the way, love is always about motives. You know, you can't love properly if you don't have proper motives. This is why loving you is acting in the best, your best interest. It's not about a warm fuzzy feeling, and it might be a warm fuzzy feeling sometimes. Because, but there have been times in my life where I, there's been someone that I needed to help, and I was frustrated because they're in this problem because of their own knuckleheadedness, right? And you've t- but, and so, Lord, what's in their best interest here? And you get from the you get sense from the Lord, I, you need to put yourself out. You need to. Come on, you need a love here to the fullest extent. This is not a time for you to say no. Okay, fullest extent. And then you love them. And I gotta tell you, I'm not starting with a warm, fuzzy feeling when I do that. But I'm making the choice to act in a way that's in their best interests. So love is not just about a feeling. By the way, there's a little parenthesis here for you. When you get married, the kind of love that God expects us to have as brothers and sisters in Christ married to each other is agape love. It's this kind of love. And it's not about feelings. The kind of love we're talking about is a choice. It's something you use your will. You make a choice. I am going to act in your best interest. And you know what sometimes is in my, your best interest? Is that I need to change how I'm thinking about you. I'm not thinking right, I need to think differently about you. So, do you see how this starts to cover everything? We're gonna love to the fullest extent, you know. It can't just be outward, it needs to be inward, and we need to, but it's not just uh, about fuzzy feelings. All right, so, with a pure heart. So, uh, this agape, self-sacrificing love, acting in the best interest of another person, fully stretched out, it's fervent to the fullest extent, With a pure heart, with pure motives. And, And so Peter's not the only one who commanded this. In fact, you want to know where Peter learned it? Peter learned it from Jesus. On the night before Jesus was taken into captivity and then tried and put taken to the cross, he said these words to his disciples. He says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. That was not new. This is new. As I have loved you that you also love one another. That's the kind of love we're talking about, the love of God, the love of Christ that acts in the best of the interests of the other person even when it's personally costly. And then he says this, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus didn't say, by this all men will know you're my disciples if you go to church every Sunday. Right. Although if people see you going to church every Sunday and they wonder why. Why are you here every Sunday? Some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, well, why am I am. Well, one of the things you ought to be here for is to love one another fervently with a pure heart. It's hard to love people from a distance. You can, because you can pray for them, right? And maybe there's something you do, but this love really occurs up close. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but Jesus said, this is how the world can tell. And so if we are not loving each other, and if we are loving each other conveniently, yeah, well, that's a nice thing. You've got a nice club you're going to. But he says this, when we love each other the way he has loved us, fervently, stretched out, the world will look at us and say, those people are real Christians. They may not believe that Christianity is true or Jesus who he said it was, but they're going to say, you guys are really Christians. I can tell the way you love each other. I don't see that anywhere else in the world. Only in you guys. That's how we ought to love. We ought to be known for that. So this was Jesus' command that we love each other in this way. And by the way, 69 other passages in the New Testament tell us these things. And if we were to count up all the other things that are related to it or flow out from it, we'd have hundreds. And this is why I'm trying to say to you that I think as Christians, it is... And this is not the make or break of what I'm telling you today. But I'm just trying to tell you that I think this is at the core of everything that it means to be a Christian. So you said that's how people are going to be able to tell. That you're a Christian. By how you love each other or whether you love each other as you ought to. All right. Second thing that we see here in our passage is that you're qualified to love others on God's behalf. You're qualified. And he starts in verse 22, and he says, since this has happened, okay, so this is set up. Because this has happened, now you can do this. So let's look at that again. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Okay, and then The very last phrase in verse 25. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And so he's talking about obeying the truth. He's talking about responding to the gospel. Obeying the truth of the gospel. What is the truth of the gospel? The truth of the gospel is that every one of us have sinned against a holy God. That doesn't sound like very good news, does it? And if we die in that condition, we are forever separated from God in hell. That's what we have earned. That's what our works have earned us. But God loved us enough that he sent his son. He loved us. Guess what kind of word? Agape. God loved us enough to send his only son into the world to die for our sins, rise again. And so we get this message. He's done that. And then the idea is if you will believe that, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ to be your savior, that's the good news. And then the moment we do that, we say, God, I've, I've sinned against you. I, I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again. And right now, by faith, I, I trust that for me. I, I receive Jesus as my Savior. I put my faith in him for what he's done for me. That very moment, every sin is forgiven. We have eternal life, and God himself moves in. And so this idea of being qualified... To love like God is possible because we are qualified. He qualified us when He did what? When He saved us. The moment that He saved us, He qualified us. Our soul was purified that, and I don't think he's using soul here in a real technical sense now. I think he means that deep down inner part of you, the inside of you. He said has been cleansed from sin. You know, We talked about that, I think it was last week, right? He he makes us righteous within. He takes our sin and gives us his righteousness deep down inside. And so he's changed our hearts and we have the spirit of God there. And he has produced already automatically Some love for the brothers and sisters there. Uh, In fact, John, in his first letter, says this about our love for each other. He says that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We know that we have passed from death to life because we start giving money to the church. Is that what he says? That might be an evidence that something's changed. You know, or, or we know that we pass from death to life because we stop lying and cheating. Once again, those things probably flow out, but that isn't what God chose to say through John, did he? What he chose to say through John is that we know that we have been saved. We know that we've been born again. We know that we now have new life, and it's the life of God. Why? Because we have love for each other. That's how, I mean, and if you're missing that, If you're missing that, you say, I just don't really have that, you know. I think you probably don't have the Lord either. Because when God moves in, love moves in. In fact, look at this. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, he says this. He says that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So when the Holy Spirit comes in, he pours out his love to us and in us. And guess what? That love is now available to do what? To go out from us. Out through us. And so God has qualified us to do these things. And In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this. He says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What does an ambassador do? I mean, if we have an ambassador in a foreign country, what are they doing? They're representing our country. They are the, the official representative for the country. And when they speak, they speak for the country, they speak for the president. Okay? They are the official representative to do that. What does God call us? Who's ambassador? His ambassadors. Now, this is what I want you to see in this idea of the, the privilege of loving others on God's behalf. Think about this. How do people experience the love of God? The best ways, the most powerful ways. Can they experience as they read the word? Not a trick question. Can they experience it as they reword? Certainly they can. As they talk with God, can they experience His love? You know, and as they sort of look at creation and the glory, say, yeah, they can experience His love. But I want to tell you, that pales in comparison to what people experience when their heart is broken, their life seems over, and someone filled with the love of God Hugs them and holds them. Because where is God? Where is God? Well, God is in that believer who's doing what? Who's loving. And so, this is a privilege, folks. You know, we are the answer to that question. Where is God? Well, he's right here. And we haven't abandoned you. And so when it comes to loving each other, loving each other fervently, you know, stretched out the way we're supposed to love, there is this sense in which I have a face. Did you guys notice that today? I have a face that I can love people with. And that love is when, you know, you're you're listening, you're seeing, you're... when I see you walk in and I see you and I look at you and I smile, that's not fake. That's the love of God smiling at you. When you tell me something, I'm just using me as an example, you talk to me and you tell me something hard that hurts and I go, oh man, that's hard. That's God loving you. What a privilege this is, right? Our hands, with a hand on a shoulder or doing something for people. Man, I, I see so many uh, evidences of this, how you guys love each other. This is, you know, this is around. We need to stretch out more, but it's around. I see you love each other. I see how you care for each other. You're, you, you contact each other. You talk to each other. You listen to each other. You actually help each other. Someone will come along and say, hey, listen, I know they're hurting. Would you take this money and make sure that they get it? You know, people come here and they, they love you. They you know, come and take care of the property because they want it to look you know, welcoming and good. They're loving you. People who come and clean the bathrooms. Motivated by love. So there's so much that's going on. What a privilege it is to be a part of that. And we have had in this season of our church people with serious illnesses. People who have died. Families who have lost loved ones. And, and recently, conversations that my wife has had and I've had with with someone, a believer, who was lost, a loved one. And this person said, you know, I never really, really fully grasped what it meant to be part of the family of God. But the love that this person experienced, practical love, the speaking of voice, the written card, the hand, the help, this loving fervently, Because it's not always convenient to do that stuff. Not always easy. But that love that this person has experienced, it's like, I can't imagine not having it. But we have that privilege to love each other like that, to receive that love and to give it. And So here's the deal. If I said to you and I came up to you and I I grabbed you, Stephen, I'm going to get you, okay? I'm going to say, Stephen, listen. We got a deal today. The God said he, he can't show up today. So he needs you to take his place. And there are some people here he wants to love. Now, God's always around. And He's says, but do you get the picture? That's, that's what I, my calling is. That's what your calling is. To step up in God's behalf. And love people. And, and love like God. Um. Yes, yeah, so we are his representative. It's a very special privilege. So let, let's, let's move on here. Finally, you're, you're equipped. God has equipped you to love others like he does. He's equipped you. First thing he's done is he's given us the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And we see that here in both in these verses, right? Verse 22, you've purified your souls in obeying the truth. Where's the truth? The truth is in the Word of God. Jesus said in his prayer to the Father, he says to God, Father, sanctify my people with your truth. And then he says, your Word is truth. Okay, so this is, he's talking about his Word. You've you've purified your souls in obeying the truth. And then through the Spirit, the Spirit of God that moved in us. So crucial. And then... In verse 23, having been born again, that's a work of the Spirit. But it includes not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God is how God is equipping you to love the way He wants us to love. Uh, Let's look at what the Scripture says here. Peter, in his second letter, talks about Scripture, and he describes it as, he says, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So where do these words come from? Where do these writings come from? Anybody know? Yeah, the Holy Spirit led these people to write these things. It is no accident what is written here, it's very purposeful. It was written in the context that they were in, using their vocabulary, all that kind of stuff, but it was the Spirit who directed these things. And so this is, God Himself has given us these words, and and so this is how He equips us as we go to the Word and let it it change our lives. Uh, And He tells us that, that this is what it's for, the Word of God teaches us how to love and motivates us to do it. Paul says this, he says, now. The purpose of the commandment, and I put in brackets scripture there, the purpose of the commandment is what? Love from a pure heart. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what Peter said? That's because it's what God says. That's the purpose of this word, is that we would love. We would learn to love God with a pure heart, pure motives. So we would learn to love each other and live that out. Pure heart, pure motives. And so what we want to do is saturate ourselves with the word of God. And and I'm I'm not going to spend much time on it, but you remember, I I think it was last week or the week before, I told you, you need to really get a hold of what God says. And how do you do that? You hear it. You hear it preached like you are here today. Then you study it. Now you've got a little bit better hold on it. And then you, uh, no, excuse me, you read it for yourself. And then you study it. You can do that when you study with other people or on your own or both, preferably, you know, and then you memorize some. You say, What? I can't remember what I'm supposed to do today. And you want me to remember. Well, what I always say to is there are key verses that come along the way that you say, Wow, that's what God has spoken to me. And I need to remember that. Well, I remember that when I was sitting in a hotel back in, must have been 1980. January of 1980, we were in Bible college. We'd run out of money. I was selling cookware in Northern Arkansas. I'm sitting in a hotel. Just, I, I don't know how we're gonna make it. I don't know what's gonna happen. And It wasn't even necessarily I wanted to be there doing it, but I need to be there doing it. And I memorized at that point in time, at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Be careful for nothing. Don't be full of care about anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. And so I was able to experience the peace of God and go out and do what I needed to do. And when I did that, God blessed and met all of our needs at that point in time. But you see, that verse mattered to me. Because I had no peace. So I memorized. So one point is there are key verses, one way you need to memorize. And that's gonna enable you then to also to love others. I've I've shared that experience with many people as they've struggled with finances or what's going on in their lives. And and, I've been able to share that. Been able to love them. Okay, so memorize. Meditate on it. You need to think a lot about it. And all of this, all along the way, this, you're going to grab it. This is you and the Spirit of God. God Himself, you're having a conversation with God about His Word all along the way. Because it's not a word separate from God. It's the Word of God. And so we talk with God about it all along the way. What's this mean, God? How do I apply this, God? Ooh, God, thank you for that. God, I don't have a clue what you mean here. You know, but we're having a conversation with God about it. And then be doers of the word, not hearers only, be doers. Okay. So God has given us this uh, to equip us to love. And, and remember what we said early on, that love is always about affecting the motives. It always affects our motives. I mean, that's an issue, you know, because we don't have the right motives. We aren't really loving, are we? Because you're acting in the best interest. So that needs to be the right motives here. How are you going to have the right motives? Same answer. Spirit of God and the word of God. It's going to address your motives. Uh, he, book of Hebrews, it says this. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's, it's given by the spirit. It's alive. It's alive and powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So if you will go to the Word of God like we're talking about it in your own time or even when you're listening to preaching or or whatever you're doing, you're just thinking about it, but you're you're going to God with it, you're talking with God through it, I guarantee you that there will be times all of a sudden you'll go, oh, because he's going to show you something about what's going on in your mind. He's going to show you something that's going on in your heart that needs to be adjusted. He's faithful to do that. That's a good thing, by the way, when he does that. And so he's equipped us with the spirit and the word. And then what I would say is we saturate ourselves in this word and spirit. We, we, um, if I do that, forget, I'm the pastor. If I'm doing it as, a, as a, your fellow Christian. I do that. And then, then we get together and talk and we talk about life. And, of course, obviously God comes up in that conversation because I have no life apart from him. Neither do you. God comes. And you know what? All of a sudden... I learned something about loving from you. It's not always even conscious, but this idea of what God is doing through the Spirit and the Word, when we get together and he does it, it's like amplified. It's made bigger. And so I tell you, you need other Christians. You need other Christians besides just sitting in church in a row in front of some Christians and behind some Christians. You need relationships with Christians beyond that where you're sharing some sort of your life together. And then this is how God equips us. One of the worst things that can happen is if you are given a job and not given the resources to do the job, but you're still expected to do the job. Anybody ever have a boss like that? Yes, you could do that. Well, how can I? I don't have it. It's tough. Figure it out. What do you mean? No. God doesn't do that with us. He says, you need to love fervently with a pure heart. And here, I've equipped you, I've given you my word, given you my spirit, I've given you each other to stir that up and amplify that. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, where the, um, the author talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, that we need to get together. Why? That we might. Provoke one another. That's a loving word. Provoke one another to love and good works. So see, it it's all comes together. It all comes together. So, own the responsibility. It's just review here. Own the responsibility. Embrace the privilege of loving others on God's behalf. What a privilege to stand in God's place and love other people. You're commanded to do this. You have been qualified to do this and you have been equipped to do it. So where does this bring us? Well, John, in his first letter, talking about love, says this. He says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. All right? Let's just don't love when it's easy, when it's convenient. No, let's, let's stretch this out and love to the fullest extent. Man, it'll change your life. And you'll be so glad it did. And what did Jesus say would happen? That the world would what? The world will take note and realize that something different about you. You're a Christian this passage that we talked about, he says, love the brothers, brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I want you to know something. You know, when Jesus says, yeah, love each other, the world will take note. Because when we stretch out and love to the fullest extent, guess what? Everywhere you go, that love kind of splashes out. It splashes out onto other people. And it will also change the way you look at people who are not Christians. It's going to change you. It's going to change your heart. Charles Swindoll tells a story about an event that happened after World War II. And after World War II, uh, one of the things that a lot of soldiers experienced, you know, over in Europe and London, around that they would see children who might have been orphans. And if they aren't orphans, they're poor, obviously poor, hungry children at the end of the war. And so he tells a story of, a, of a, a soldier who was driving down the road in the city in the Jeep and he saw up ahead, he saw a little child standing, looking into a bakery window. Obviously the child was very poor, seemed very skinny, hungry, a little boy. The soldier saw that, he was a believer. And he stops his Jeep and he's looking. And it's just too many of these kids. You can't help, right? They're just there. But he he felt moved. And so he got out and he went over and stood there next to the the little hungry boy looking in the baker. And he looked in, the little boy's got his face on the glass. The baker's in there making donuts. And this little boy is just... The soldier looks at him and then says, Hey. Would you like one of those? Oh, yeah, you can, of course, yeah. Soldier looked at it, and the soldier went inside and bought a whole bag of donuts. Brought the donuts out and said, here you go. Gave them to the child. but he's just trying to do something. And the child, like, couldn't believe it, right? Look in the bag, and the soldier turns to leave. And as he turns to leave, the boy tugs on his coat and stops him, and he looks up at guy holding the donuts and he says, mister, are you God? And I don't think anybody's going to mistake us for God. But they sure might experience God if I love the way the Lord wants me to. If you love the way the Lord wants you to. So let me encourage you Let's stretch ourselves. Let's stretch this love out. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you do equip us with it and it has everything that we need, Lord, and gives us direction about things that we need. And We are so grateful that you love us as your word says. And Lord, we might be scared by it or worried about it, but that you have given us that responsibility to love the same way, to love on your behalf, to be your your voice to people, to be your eyes to people, to be your hands to people, to be your arms to people. Please stir our hearts, Lord, that we would do this fervently, that we would be willing to stretch ourselves. And Lord, we pray that you will be much glorified in us because of it, And that the world will see that we are yours. And that they can be too. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Go love each other.